say everything's bigger in Texas, including climate change. That's why Houston is leading the energy transition. Here in H-Town, the fourth largest city in the United States, entrepreneurs from across Texas and around the world are gathering to work with titans of industry to build the technology that will reduce emissions and power a low carbon future. We sit down with those changemakers and wildcatters who are solving the toughest energy challenges. With trillions of dollars on the line, we dig into how Houston will bring technology to market on a massive scale. Join us as we talk with the leaders of the energy capital of the world as they show us how the energy transition gets done. I'm Laura Cottingham, and this is the Energy Technology Podcast. And I'm Jason Etier. Let's jump in. Happy to have today with us Zimri Henshaw, Zimri T. Henshaw, uh, with Bucha Bio. Bucha Bio unlocks unique creative design potential using biology, biotechnology. Uh, their team creates novel biomaterials by combining fermented cellulose with plant-based polymers to create products or applications needed instead of animal leather, polyurethane, latex, vinyl, epoxy, and so much more. So really happy to have you today with us. But uh, Zimri, tell us a little bit about, about Bucha Bio. Yeah, thank you very much. Good morning. Bucha Bio is a biomaterial science company, and you're exactly right. Uh, we take fermented cellulose, which many people know from kombucha. Have you ever drinking kombucha? I know, I know you have. Definitely. What's your, what do you think? It's a divisive beverage. Jason, any? Pass. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to hear about your thoughts on SCOBY and if you yeah. can actually explain that to me, what it is, and then how you go from that yeah. to you being here in Houston today. Absolutely. So the company started out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And at the time, the reason I bring up kombucha is because that's the that was the genesis of the technology and why we're named Bucha Bio. Mm -hmm. Kombucha, slice off the K-O-M, you get Bucha Bio. We used to grow kombucha, which produces a mother or a scoby, which is this kind of thick, gelatinous, mm -hmm. weird, <laughs> slippery, uh, mat or pellicle on the top of the kombucha brew and it's made of nanocellulose so a special form of cellulose a special form of the structure of cellulose not to get too technical and we used to take that and then coat it and that was our textile that is no longer what we're doing but that is was the first two years of the company and, and the origin of the name we no longer use kombucha but it's a nice way to sort of introduce the technology now we use a single strain of bacteria fermenting the cellulose, and we're not even the company that's doing that part of the process anymore. Interesting. So yeah. I have been to a kombucha farm, factory, brewery, I'm not sure what you call it, in Eagle, Colorado, and that was my first introduction to this, and I can only remember the smell, first of all, like walking yeah. in there, whoa, yeah. and that... They had like a football field size factory with yeah. Tupperware filled with this thing that was um, slimy and alive and somehow turns into delicious bubbly beverage. Yep. Um, and apparently now it is helping us lead the energy transition, right? Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about like you and your sure. entrepreneurial story. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. I am a military brat. I think Forbes used that. <laughs> they call, I think Forbes called me a military brat, and um, it, it's an endearing term, I think. And I was so I was born in Alaska, um, and 
moved every three years or so, but I also grew up in San Antonio, Texas, uh, before moving to Okinawa, Japan. Was in Okinawa for two years. I dropped out of American high school because that was boring. And so I enrolled in a local Japanese high school instead. Um, and then went, ended up going to school in Tokyo for college in Temple University's uh, Tokyo campus. And from there, moved back to Philadelphia where I was at the main campus. And, and that's really where I started to, to catch the entrepreneurship bug. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, tell us a little bit about the technology. So I think uh, you stopped at, you know, you, you were making kombucha, but yeah. now you've moved on to single cellular uh, uh, cellulose. Yeah. But, but that is something you actually source from someone else now. So what, right. is, what is the actual thing that you're making? We know it ends up as leather, but tell us what goes on in between. Yeah, so if you imagine this bacteria creating the cellulose, you have this cellulose, which in this case is kind of a slurry. Mm -hmm. These, it's not going to sound really nice until the very end where you have this beautiful textile or, or material mm -hmm. or packaging, but bear with me. You have this slurry, mm -hmm. and then you're going to combine that and mix that together with uh, a plant-based thermoplastic, some other additives, some, some alcohol or plant-based additives, and you're going to mix all those things together with maybe some plant-based dyes um, or algae-based mm -hmm. dyes. There's lots of fun options to choose from in terms of color. Uh, combine all those things together, and the new thing that we're doing in Houston, and a big part of why we're in Houston, is to tap into the local plastics manufacturing both on, on the, the talent side and in the actual infrastructure machinery side. So we are putting that all that mixture into a plastics extrusion line. Mm -hmm. Looks like, um, I don't even know how to describe it. A giant mixer with then put into a long barrel and then pushed hot out of a small die and that die can look like a small sheet or a shower head and mm -hmm. whatever that die looks like at the end is determining what's coming out of that whether it's fibers or sheets of material or things like that so that's the whole process in a nutshell and if you want to understand a little bit better you can also go to the website so what, so what happens after this this material comes to the extruder um, and how does that get to me as a end user yeah there? yeah so we often partner with um, these large brands, and that can be in fashion or automotive or a plethora of other industries. And we create materials that really are, are meeting their specifications and meeting what they're looking for. So if it's, a, if it's a basketball shoe, you know, how strong is that shoe? How far can you jump? If you need to jump really high and dunk that basketball, make sure that that shoe is flexible enough for you to hit that and dunk that ball. Like that's what we work on with these companies to make sure that the materials and the applications are fitting uh, the the use case, and then from there you'd purchase it from that basketball shoe company, and that's how you'd interact with it as an end user. You'd be wearing it on your on your feet. Yeah, and and so part of your expertise is converting this this slurry into the right set of material properties that that replicate things consumers want. Right. right. We yeah. work really really closely with with these companies. Uh, what we do is really application-based chemistry. So mm -hmm. we make sure mm -hmm. that these materials are, are hitting from an aesthetic point of view, what they need to be hitting, and also from a technical point of view for these applications. And then also what we're really excited about, how I think Bucha Bio is going to be differentiated from a lot of other brands on the market uh, in next-gen materials, which is a larger category mm -hmm. than you might think. I mean, in Houston, I think we're just kind of getting, getting into this space. 
um, but globally and in the United States, next-gen materials and plant-based materials are becoming uh, the next hot thing. So um, we focus on the application-based chemistries, but also we're, as a company, unlocking this really unique creative design potential. And you can kind of see that with Hikari, which is our first, our second material, and, and that's a, a translucent material. You can mm -hmm. see through it. It's very unique. And so we also want to be the company that's really on the cutting edge of what's possible from an a aesthetic point of view and unlocking something that hasn't really been seen before from plants. So when you talk about your materials, you said Hikari. Mm. Um, do you have any materials on you? Are you at the point where we, can, where we can wear things? Are there things that you could point to? Yeah, I, I, I messed up. I should have brought our, we have a watch, like I, I bring around. Um, I didn't know this was going to be filmed. <laughs> I was so hoping actually you were going to say like, actually this hat is my dad, but yeah. no, that's okay. I wish, I wish. I, no, I usually have a watch mm -hmm. band that I, I wear. And, and, and yeah, so yes, you can wear this as a, a product and we're going to have products on the market uh, as soon as is 2023, mm -hmm. so as soon as the kind of the middle end of next year, and um, you know we're we're starting with footwear, so check out especially women's footwear. Check mm -hmm. out a sandal coming out oh. next year. We'll check out some watch bands probably coming out late next year. So there will quickly be footwear and accessories that you can wear. Shorai, which is our can be used as a leather alternative, which is our kind of first material, or you have to wait a little bit longer, probably another two years for Hikari, which is our translucent material. So I want to say one thing here. So I felt the the leather uh, material feels great. I could not tell it was not leather. Cool. Um, which is, I'm excited for it. Tell me about the names because um, that yeah. is not English. <laughs> no, that's not English. Yeah. Um, Shorai mm -hmm. is the Japanese word, or, or I should say inspired by the Japanese word for future. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, Shorai is a future that has not come yet, but is quickly approaching, which is if you break down the kanji and mm -hmm. look at the, the, the deeper meaning behind each character, that's kind of the nuance there, at least what I understand it to be. Yeah. Hikari is a little more straightforward. Hikari is simply the, the Japanese word for light mm -hmm. because Hikari allows light to pass through it. Mm -hmm. So it's important, you know, Buchabio is, is not a commodity products company. We don't create commodity materials. Uh, we create branded materials. We create materials that have a unique value to them because we are we created them and because they have special properties and 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 use special ingredients. Is this kind of like a strategy like Gore-Tex is in a variety of things and, and, and things like that in, in terms of the commercialization strategy? Gore-Tex has done a really, really good job yeah. at pairing a technology with a brand name and then licensing both the technology along with the, mm. the, the, the trademark. Mm -hmm. And so something that we've definitely taken, taken notes on. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Gore-Tex specifically, yeah. actually, we've taken notes from. Yeah. So um, you talked about next-gen materials yeah. and how that is something that you said is kind of like on the cusp of things Houston is looking at. Yeah. So I want to talk about that more because when we talk about energy technology in Houston, it tends to be kind of what you would think, right? Very um, energy-focused, oil and gas, energy transition. And this is a new, very different category, but also fits in perfectly when you start thinking about the bigger picture, when yeah. you think about our like global climate goals how do all of these things fit in? So can you talk about that from your personal perspective? Like, how do you view where y'all fit in in the realm of climate action and energy transition? So that's a great question. And, and 
here in Houston, it, it's been an ongoing conversation that that I've been having, that Buchabao has been having with uh, both the climate tech community and heritage oil and gas. And mm-hmm. I think that it's important to have every stakeholder and every player involved in this conversation. And that means not leaving out uh, the, the big oil and gas players. Uh, and we want to be involved with them. In fact, we, I mean, we'd love to have them be part of what we're doing. Uh, but not all of them, I think, are, are yet considering, um, you know, biomaterials or next-gen materials as part of their value chain, as part of their world, and they very much are. Um, what are these materials made out of today? Well, leather or synthetic leather, alternative leathers, uh, a lot of the plastic, the vinyl, uh, in fact, most likely a lot of components and parts in this microphone are made from petrochemicals. Mm-hmm. And all of those things can, instead of be made from petrochemicals, can be made from plants and bacterial sources and can be designed from biomaterials instead. So in that way, energy becomes the material world. Energy becomes what we hold and touch and wear every day. And those items can be also made from other sources. And so I think that if oil and gas wants to continue to capture their downstream markets, that they should definitely be considering companies like Buchabio um, and working with companies like us because I think we are part of that solution. We are very much part of this energy transition. We're not going to save the world. We're not going to stop those extra six degrees hmm. of, of climate warming um, or climate change without uh, fixing holistically sustainability, you know, not only oil and gas, not only the energy and the gas in our cars, but also the built world and everything we interact with. It really has to be everything where I think we're part of that solution. And I really appreciate, because I'm sure that when you were developing your technology, there was like a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Because you mentioned like everything we are wearing, everything, um, most of what we use today has a petrochemical fossil fuel component, but you chose, you chose products, you chose clothing, you chose materials that people see and feel and touch every day. Um, It's very hard when you're communicating about electrons and you're communicating about fuel that most people never see. Maybe you see it when you're putting gas in your car, but you don't even really see it then, right? Only when you like spill it out. Exactly. Actually, a few drops come out and you're like- This is something that's very experiential that people look at and they're like, oh, I like this. I don't like this, that they can really wrap their head around. And I think that's so important in the conversation. And it's also really important to remind people that probably everything I'm wearing is is made from a fossil fuel Mm -hmm. right now. And how do we, how do we change that? And, and how do you see um, consumers driving the demand for sustainable products for you guys? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great kind of image yeah. um, that right now, not, not only your, your clothes, but your earrings, a lot of some of your makeup, in fact, hmm. a, a lot of the products that we interact with and, and even put on our skin, et cetera, are made from these petrochemicals. This has definitely been a, a consumer-driven trend mm-hmm. at the very beginning, and, and and now what's exciting is that it's it's finally um, kind of coming up. Uh, they say a rising tide mm-hmm. lifts all ships, and I think that's true here, where you you get now folks like Patagonia founder mm-hmm. um, making the profits of Patagonia into these the, the nonprofits, which I think is fantastic for the planet. Where now we have, you know, not only the consumers, but also now investors, certainly. Um, 
the, the executives and the leaders at, at, at big companies now are starting to care and, and align their actions with these climate goals. Um, and then, so, so I think that it started with the consumers and I think it started with young people, and, but it's been a long time coming. It was something that I had recognized uh, as a student at Temple University, uh, mm-hmm. myself being plant-based for, for a long time, being part of my lifestyle saw a similar values in, in a lot of my classmates and a lot of the young people that I was around and realized that, you know, this was, was more than, than a fad. This was something mm. that was going to fundamentally change the way that we work. Speaking of fads, <laughs> Laura and I were talking yesterday about a, uh, a style that's coming back. Do you want to talk oh, about it a little bit? Holy moly. This is totally a tangent, <laughs> but we have to. Yeah. Well, this made me laugh because I just recently learned that Y2K fashion is coming back. So like, the clothes that we wore in 1999. Yeah, 90s, and, 90s is in right now. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> in then a big way. The things I remember from that vividly is like pink pleather and a lot of faux fur and a yeah. lot of um, inordinately high platform shoes. And so, Fabulous. you know, now is your time. There, there are yeah. so many options, I think, where your uh, materials desperately need to be deployed yeah. if and, that truly is coming and, back. And I think part of the question is there's a time horizon where you have to get your material onto the market. How do you do you think about these these trends from a fashion or end consumer space, especially as you're going into consumer products? Or how do you navigate that? Well, you know, we are we could be better. You know, we're we're hiring right now, we're expanding all the mm. time. I think mm. our next set of hires are gonna be way more consumer focused. Mm. So far, it's been very much science driven, it's been very much technical team, it's been very much folks that can interact really seamlessly and understand what these brands are talking about and how to take what they're asking for, whether it's a color or an aesthetic uh, or a, a technical feature and implement it really, really quickly in our materials. And I, I have not seen any other next material company mm-hmm. move as quickly and iterate as fast as we are, we've been able to do and customize and move quickly with trends. From us, the trends are not coming from the consumers. It's coming from what the brands are asking. Mm-hmm. And we think that they understand, you know, where that, time horizon maybe the next three five years is, is making sure that you know some things are timeless i mean black leather black most anything black is is timeless i mean new york city only wears black yeah. <laughs> like it never goes out of style um but in terms of, of you know i think we also love to be continue to, to expand out to our design team our applications team to be able to to follow those kinds of trends uh, along the same horizon as brands do. But right now, we're, we're much more interacting closely with the brands and they're driving our design decisions as opposed to, to, con- to end consumers. So we're kind of one step uh, detached from that, but I think very much still connected to what yeah. the consumers are wanting. And, and so I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing, uh, one, you're, you're getting good commercial traction yeah. and you're growing your team. Yes. And that's partly because you raised a financing recently. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And, sure. And, and tell us what it's like to raise capital here in Houston. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think it's actually rare for a Houston startup to have a round like we just raised. Mm-hmm. We just raised $1.1 million, uh, as a, a seed round for Bucha Bio and, and the news just went public and I'm really excited to talk about it today with y'all. Um, but I think it's unusual the way we did it in, in, in the way that that I think 30%, maybe a little bit more of the round was raised here in Houston mm-hmm. from Houston Venture Capital, from uh, other, you know, uh, Robbie and Perner Patter, who Robbie being the, the vice president of operations at Sysogy Plasmonics, mm-hmm. like raising 
and, and, and very grateful for, for what they did, especially at the end of the round. Um, New Climate Ventures, mm-hmm. Eric Rubenstein, who I believe y'all have spoken mm-hmm. with in the past on the podcast, um, who, who is a, a very significant investor and, and, and is we consider to be kind of our lead investor here in Houston, especially, uh, contributed to the round with New Climate Ventures. And so it's rare, I think, to have uh, such a Houston focus on a round other capital coming from uh, Prithi VC mm-hmm. out of out of New York City, a lot from from the East Coast, some from the West Coast. We had Asymmetry VC in the round, some from Brazil. We had Lifely VC uh, in the round. Uh, we had um, Benny VC, which is kind of out of New York and mm-hmm. Miami, uh, which is exciting. So those were the major venture capital groups. And then we had the Glasswall Syndicate, which mm-hmm. is all the folks that previously funded the uh, alternative protein boom. So a lot of your, your alternative meats and, and, and dairy products, et cetera, same investors who are now backing next-gen materials and really grateful for the support. I uh, want to highlight um, a few folks in there. Um, Aaron McCulley. Um, and actually, let me <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny when when, uh, when I was uh, doing my own financing, you, you would have to, mm-hmm. you know, the, the most important thing is finding that lead, but then... You know, you, you end up patching together this syndicate of really supportive investors, yeah. and and sometimes when you're you're talking to investors, um, there's a there's a desire to keep it to a few people, but but I think um, what we see, especially at the early stage, there is so much value in having a lot of investors, yep. because they will be your best champions, and it's amazing when um, you, you know these angel and seed investors come by and say hello to me, and and um, we we see them also repping you know, their, their companies, um, it's, that's part of how you extend your team is, is by yeah. having these great investors involved. 100%. I would never turn anyone away if, if they wanted to get in, if, if you could, because they will, will support you, uh, throughout the life cycle of business. So who else for you? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make sure I get, I pronounce yeah. everything right and yeah. get everyone's name correct. So I pulled something up. Yeah. I just want to highlight, especially, uh, Alwyn Capital mm-hmm. from the Glasswell Syndicate, really, hmm. really honored to have their support in the round. And then um, Chris Zero, who is the CEO and founder of Visionary Music <laughs> Group, which is the music group behind Logic the Rapper, which is a very famous rapper known for his um, very award-winning suicide prevention mm-hmm. anthem, mm-hmm. which is really, really cool to have Chris in the round as well. Cool. So yeah, I wanted to highlight those folks in particular, but absolutely, I think it's really important to have a, a diverse set of investors. We certainly have investors from all over the world. Um, and diverse opinions, diverse backgrounds, uh, you know, and all extremely supportive. And we're really grateful for, for all, what they've done and what they continue to do for, for Butcher Bio and how they're setting us up for success, not only in this round, but in, in future funding rounds. So I wish we could take everybody. You got to have a minimum mm-hmm. check size as a founder. You got to, you know, you do have to have a certain amount of capital. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're really honored with the folks that have been able to participate. I feel like we had a whole Academy Award moment here when you're you're thanking mm-hmm. everyone who helped you get to this point and maybe someday once you know in the like costume design category yeah. when you've had your spinoff and you're incredibly successful you'll have the opportunity to thank these folks again yep. but also exactly what you're talking about so as much as they help you and they are your cheerleader as much as you um and your team of funders help talk about what's going on in Houston and help like shine that light. We were talking about this earlier yeah. um, that Houston is a very kind of like um, close community. Sometimes we yep. have great investors, but we need to shine the light on what's happening here with folks all around the world. So 
So we thank you for that, and we thank all of the people who are supporting Bucha Bio. Now look at you. <laughs> now now you have, you've had your Academy Award yes. moment. That, that was great. We might as well riff on it. So I, I think one of the things you talked about is is there there are some active investors and entrepreneurs here in, in Houston, and I think when when entrepreneurs are raising capital, the the best way to find out who has dry powder or who yep. who invests in technology like yours. Dry powder. Dry powder is the right word. It's a good uh, word. Your entrepreneurs are, are your resource. And so I think here, you know, Zimri, you, you've put out who your investors are. I'm sure yep. folks investing in new material technologies <laughs> should give you a call and say, who who should I talk to? But who did you call when you first came here? Who uh, who did you end up talking to when you built a community around yourself? Yeah. The one thing I love about Houston there's a lot of things I love about Houston as an ecosystem, mm-hmm. um, but but one related to to what you're you're talking about, uh, and you, Jason, in terms of 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 what we offer in terms of the community, is uh, the founders here are really really amazing, and it's a really tight knit community, especially around climate tech. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, would be remiss not to mention my big brother, <laughs> Trevor Best, uh, CEO of CCG Plasmonics, and and he really was the first person. New Climate Ventures and and Eric and and Don and Matt and the team there are invested in Sysigy Plasmonics as well and quickly introduced me to Trevor and and he's been instrumental in getting us set up here in Houston. In fact, a funny story, when we first came here, we needed to get set up with a a wet lab. We needed to get chemistry started as soon as quickly as as possible and uh, Trevor offered for us to use Sysigy's laboratories on Saturdays, and so every single Saturday, Trevor drove to to Kirby Drive and was there. He didn't have to be there, but he was there all day, every Saturday, sitting there and letting us use all the equipment. And we were there for a good four months or so. I spent every Saturday with Trevor, and that was really amazing. And so, the founders here are are, are you know Houston in general is highly unpretentious, and you know the founders here are are. They put their money with their mouth is in terms of really offering support. It's not just talk. You know, they will sacrifice for you. They will come in on Saturdays for you. They will act, give you access to facilities, investor connections, and and we really do look out for each other here in here in Houston. And you're so you weren't from Houston, right? So right. you had choices of where to go. Yeah. Why? What was the deciding factor? What was the thing other than other than Trevor? We understand he is the best. Trevor's the best. Yes. <laughs> but 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 Houston, you know. Is, is an amazing ecosystem. We were, so it's important to understand, yes, we started in Philadelphia, but but while I was still an undergrad uh, at Tumpy University, SOSV Indie Bio, which I describe as, they would hate this and hopefully they're not listening, but like the Y Combinator for, for the biotech space. <laughs> um, and we got into their program uh, and I immediately moved the company to Manhattan, New York, and we were in in Manhattan, uh, in New York City, for a year. And realized at the end of that stint that that while New York City had had given us so much in terms of of uh, early stomping ground, early traction, ability to access early investors, that it really wasn't the the place to to scale a company like this, especially as we started moving more away from the microbiology, more away from the farms that you described earlier. Um, and more towards a chemistry mm-hmm. approach. And a few locations popped up. And as a, a professional yeah. CEO, I did a survey of 20 mm-hmm. different locations. Uh, and, and at the end of that list came a few that were highlights. Um, it was San Diego, California. It was Akron, Ohio, if you'll believe that. Mm-hmm. A lot of polymers and plastics up there. Good years up there. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
it was the Research Triangle, the Durham mm-hmm. Chapel Hill uh, rally mm-hmm. area in North Carolina. It was um, Boston and it was Houston. And I visited some of these places and thought about what would be, you know, what would be good for the company long term. And, and Houston was at the top of that list. And I think the biggest thing here is, is you know, what is a company? What is a, a material science company? You might say it's it's technology, it's a patent. It's 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 not. It's it's people, mm-hmm. and companies are people. So where can you put yourself long term, where you have motivated people, happy people who can afford what you know the lifestyle that they they want, uh, people who who have the right technical talent, who right who have the 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 correct mission alignment, and and here, you know, Butcher Bio is extremely unique. We're 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 taking the best in oil and gas, you know, some of our folks who've been trained at and Halliburton at Schlumberger, these amazing companies that have trained their talent so well and we're we're converting them to, to biomaterials. And because we are a very unique player and I think a you know a different kind of company to work for in Houston, you know, we're we're attracting, I think, the best and the brightest. And mm-hmm. and that's really been fundamental to our success here. Good. And and you've talked about uh, you know the people. What are, what are some other hidden gems in Houston you've discovered over the last year, other than surfing? Yes, <laughs> not many people know you can surf in Houston, yeah. and technically you can't. It's, I, have, it's, <laughs> okay, I have so many questions. So, <laughs> side sidebar: There are like yeah. two ways you can surf in Houston. Yeah. One being there's a hurricane coming, which <laughs> you should not do. Public <laughs> service announcement: Do not do that. Don't but surf the hurricane, do, folks. Right? You can also go tanker surfing. Yes. Which is very cool, but rather scary. Yeah. Or or Galveston? Yeah. Uh, most of the time, it's it's Galveston. Um, you know, the waves in Galveston are, are really nice. Um, people don't know. If people knew about how nice the waves were in Galveston, on actually a pretty regular basis, I think more people would surf the Gulf Coast and surf mm-hmm. in Texas. Uh, but they don't, and that's okay. I mean, more for us. It's a great it's a great spot. Uh, the The... Tanker surf is, is you've hinted at like an all-time kind of Texas surf legend, right. which is if you can surf the tanker wake, uh, you're, 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 a, you're an icon. <laughs> like, and you can surf for like hours if you hit it right because yeah. there's so much space and it, and it is, um, it's not natural, right? So it's like man-made and so it just goes on forever. The, the only, only hard part is that you need a boat to get mm-hmm. out to the tanker wake. So yeah, you, you need to be able to get out there on a jet ski or on a boat. But if you can do it, you're a legend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning so much here right uh, now. But, but, but Zimri does bring together groups of entrepreneurs to go surfing do, occasionally. Yeah. So this is this is one of these hidden community gems where yeah. the Houston entrepreneurial ecosystem is just awesome. It's true. I, yeah. we, we, we get all, a lot of founders in the ecosystem. We all go out to, we all love the surfboards on top of my, my car and we all go out to Galveston and we, we'll hit it up for the day. I see a whole documentary just around this, <laughs> around like forget the entrepreneurship. It's around the like yeah. Houston surf community. Oh, uh, it's great! It's but, a, it's a great community. Instead of so, there's a famous surf documentary from back in the day called "Endless Summer." Mm-hmm. This will be called the Endless Wave. Yes, the Endless <laughs> Wave, which yes. is the the oil tanker wave. If you can do it, get a drone to follow you, and that would be really really neat. I, I regretfully I have never served oil tanker surf and i definitely will there's always time to be a legend yeah (laughs) there's always time to be a houston surf legend um okay so remind me the name of your first product that we talked about. show rye 
And that's the one that means a future that has uh, yet to come, right? But is coming quickly. But it's coming quickly. Okay. <laughs> so perfect segue into kind of everything that's going on right now, um, politically, geopolitically. Mm. Um, don't know how you feel about policy, but I sure. want to ask because now is the time and people are listening. Yep. People are listening and they're looking at Houston and saying, holy moly, there's a lot of good things coming out there. Yeah. So um, we've got the... Bipartisan infrastructure bill. There yeah. was the Chips Plus Science Act, and then now we've got this the IRA, which has tons of money for climate, for innovation. Yep. Um, what are you thinking there? And is there anything you would want folks to know that you need at your time right now? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and even Biden's new um, biomanufacturing mm. initiative and that bill definitely affects what we're doing. Is we are still even though we're moving more towards chemistry, especially in a city like Houston, um, we do still have a biology component to what we're doing. And so we definitely benefit from something like that. Um, in terms of these, these, these policies that are changing, I think they're obviously fantastic for ecosystems like Houston, uh, for every startup in the US and technology space here. The, the, the thing is, you know, it's a little obscure how to tap into those resources still. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you take advantage of the manufacturing bill? How is a startup? You know, I think oftentimes, um, you know, I've talked to se several government agencies, and I think that a lot of these bills tend to favor and get attention to the, these big players, the, the big companies, you know, that, that are geopolitically strategic for the United States, uh, you know, in, in the billions of dollars of revenue, et cetera. But I think that as a startup, I think it's important that, that the government and policies are, are easy for startups and small businesses and, and scaling businesses to, to tap, be able to tap into and access. And we get the same attention as some of these bigger players. I absolutely think that. And I think that what folks don't know, and I think you kind of got to that, is like these are mega tax incentives that really only certain size companies can take advantage of yeah. in a lot of cases. But yeah. if they don't have the technology, right? Or given all of our supply chain woes, like there are so many new types of innovation that's going to be needed to come into play to help them get to market and to scale fast enough. And I don't think that necessarily that is put front and center. So I know that's yeah. something that lots of us are collectively thinking about. Um, and I love also that you mentioned bio. I forgot that. But I, I like seeing all of the different areas are coming together around climate, around yeah. energy. Right. So yeah. how do we bring those together and how do we how do we make that one of the awesome things that Houston is known for? Well, I think what you're tapping on in on is that, you know, when you think of Houston and climate tech and you think of Houston, you know, Houston is not just chemicals mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing. Houston is not just energy, you know, and that's really exciting. We're, we're, we're the fourth, soon to be third largest city in America. Uh, we're incredibly diverse. We're incredibly international which is all exciting and leading to opportunities outside of what Houston is traditionally or historically known for, bio being a big part of it. And Houston's cancer research is top of the world. Uh, Houston's bio scene, microbiology, uh, medical med tech scene is really, really prospering as well. Leading to climate tech is this intersection between biology and, and materials, biology and, and energy replacements. So there's a lot of synthetic biology that's happening in Houston as well. And I want to shout out First Bite Ventures, uh, Veronica Wu and her team, who are um, doing some really, really exciting things in Houston and, and building some facilities here that are going to help enable founders in the Symbio space, which I think is really interesting. And, and Bucha Bio is certainly at that intersection as well. 
So there's a lot of exciting things happening in Houston. Please don't think of Houston as just the energy mm -hmm. place because we've got a lot more going on. Um, what, what else? What do you need right now? How can we help you? Money. We already talked about money. <laughs> <laughs> more, money. more capital. Uh, always, right? Yeah. We always need more capital. We need the next round of of folks to to come in and back what what's happening next for for Bucha Bio. Um, you know, I think Houston continually needs more early stage capital. People who will fund. You know, where is the real opportunity? I mean, Silicon Valley's got so rich mm -hmm. uh, and, and solved so many critical problems. I mean, I, I, sh I shouldn't start with the problems. I hate it when people. I was in a class recently um, at a local university, and, and people led with, oh, this is an opportunity to get really rich, and then you know, problems come second. But I really think problems come first. Solving big problems come first, and money will come. Okay, sidebar over. <laughs> um, you know, you need people who will capitalize on those problems, those opportunities, like Silicon Valley, like, like the East Coast does down here as well. You need folks to back companies from idea stage all the way down to, to what they currently are backing, which is really kind of series B and beyond. You need people who are functioning in that pre-seed seed series A space here in Houston to really make the difference and make Houston the best city for venture capital, the best city for startups in, in the world. And I think it's, it's got everything else yeah. for sure. So, so how do people learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, so if you want to learn more about what Bucha Bio is doing, you can go to www.bucha.bio, bucha.bio. We've got one of those really cool bio domain names. So mm -hmm. check us out there. First and foremost, LinkedIn is a big one. So if you look up Bucha Bio on LinkedIn, follow what we're doing there. And then, you know, just keep your eye on, on sustainability news, fashion news. Uh, and we've got some really exciting news with some of these collaborations and these brand partners that I've been a little bit tight-lipped about, but will be less tight-lipped about come this fall. If I want to, if I don't order something, if I want to buy something, can I do that? Is are you? Almost. Is it possible to to make a a request? I actually a had sample. someone that I sent you before. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if he ever found you, but he wanted to have like custom-made bolo ties <laughs> that <laughs> were sustainable, and I and yeah. I thought about it, and I was like Zimri. So yeah, put that on your list. Uh, there is at least one customer that I can send your way. Very West Texas. Oh yeah. Oh, this was this was just very yeah, very West. <laughs> <laughs> just very West in general. Yes. The desert and beyond. <laughs> yes. Bolo ties. Yeah. I mean, technically that'd be very easy because you just need strips of. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think he would together. have actually fashioned them himself if he could have <laughs> just gotten the material. I'm sure we could, uh, you know, let, let, let me refresh and check my email inbox, which is, <laughs> I'm sure, hundreds of emails deep now. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we can make something happen there. Nice. And if not, so in your future, maybe a New York Fashion Week, Climate Week well, hopefully crossover? It's a, yeah. Hopefully it's a Houston Fashion Week. Which, you know, all of these things exist, actually. So they do. We have a Houston Fashion Week, and you know, I think that that scene needs to be more developed down here. You know, we shouldn't have to go to Soho to to film our next commercial. We want to film it right here in Texas. Love it, love it. Yeah. So I guess uh, as we start to wrap, is there any last thoughts you'd want to leave with our audience? You know, uh, we are honored and and. A huge thank you to the city of Houston and just being here in this environment. 
you know, we're not, you know, we have so much to offer here. Uh, if you want to eat any kind of food in the <laughs> world, food scene here is ridiculous. The, the, we don't have one downtown. We have like six downtowns, skyscrapers everywhere, mega city, international mega city, super diverse. I, it's not hard to, to, to know why I'm excited about Houston and, and why I think other founders should be as well. Um, by the way, just check out the taxes. They're pretty favorable here as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good business environment. So it is, it is. Okay. that's it. All cool. right. Well, love having you on. Love talking about this. And I will keep my fingers crossed for when I can wear um, the material that is the future that has not yet come, but will soon. And, and most importantly, on my feet, I'm going to buy those sandals. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Footwear. Well, sure. Yeah. Jason, I'm sure. Yeah, that would they would look fabulous on I, you. I'm sure. Um, you know, why do we start with footwear with with watch bands? Is because these things you, you represent who you are. Everyone, your shoes, whether they're an Air Jordan or a Yeezy sneaker or a cowboy boot, they say something fundamental about your character. Yep. Uh, and I think that's a really exciting place to start. So I'm excited to see you with those uh, those sandals. 